Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Zimmerman, AVP Client Content and Strategy with Becker's Healthcare. Thank you for tuning into the Becker's Healthcare podcast series. Today, I'm especially pleased to be joined by Roy Schoenberg, CEO of Amwell. Roy, thank you so much for talking with us today. We're, we're so happy to have you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me, Brian. And to begin here, just uh, for for listeners that might not be be familiar with with your background, can you just introduce yourself and, of course, share a bit about Amwell too? Sure. Um, as you can hear from the accent, I was born many, many, many years ago in Israel and came to Boston for um, some of my still at the medical career. I was a physician by trade. Uh, spent some time here at a couple of institutions in Boston, and then through a couple of companies, ended up founding Amwell together with my brother. Amwell has been around for more than 15 years and, and does that telehealth thing that I think needs no introduction in this day and age. I think we were early in the game, still at the time that people, you know, especially medical board thought that how could you possibly treat a patient without putting your stethoscope on their chest or whatever it is? And then here we are. Uh, over the years, we have grown substantially. We're a public company. We have a good chunk of the uh, health plan market where we run telehealth uh, as a white label infrastructure for them. And then we serve also a good chunk of the health system market, uh, completely different animal where we do telehealth inside their EHRs in various ways. Overall, you know, really being part of the revolution of how technology can change people's experience uh, and glad to be here. A lot going yeah, on. Uh, yeah, for sure. And and you're absolutely right. I remember when I first started reading and writing about healthcare professionally some some years ago, uh, t- telehealth wasn't as broadly understood as it is today. I think everybody understands what telehealth is or has some conception of it. But I do think there is probably a little bit less um, specific knowledge around some of the elements of of telehealth or, or some of the other offshoots of it. So I'm, I'm thinking here of phrases that get used interchangeably, like hybrid, digital, and virtual care. Um, again, these are used interchangeably, but they're not all the same, right, Roy? Uh, how do you define the true hybrid care that Amwell provides? So, you know, I, I don't want to take the responsibility for me being the one defining the true one, but I would say, you know, in my mind, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people in the market that still look at hybrid very literally. Uh, Hybrid is a combination of two. You can do care in person and you can do care virtually. And that's, you know, a very simplistic understanding of the term hybrid because what it essentially means is that the care doesn't change. It just changes places. So whatever you could do in the office, you can do now through the phone. And a typical example for that would be urgent care which is still a big chunk of what telehealth does today in the market. But I think we've crossed a line, especially after COVID, where hybrid actually has a transformational meaning. It isn't a change of place, but rather it's a very different kind of experience or a way for healthcare to surround patients, which essentially means that we're looking at a a synthesis of both physical care and care that is delivered through technology. And what that means is is a very different kind of medical practice. You know, and a couple of examples are the way, you know, health systems like St. Luke and Intermountain and Northwell, you know, to name a few, are looking at the way that they surveil patients, how they they monitor patients, whether it's an inpatient reality or an 
or home reality, they take a completely different view of how their clinicians are surrounding their patients. And the same is true with the health plan side, with the pair side of the market, where you have organizations like CVS and, and Elevance and Optum who are completely reimagining the notion of primary care using technology, essentially saying a lot of people who don't have a primary care physician and need to be coordinated are actually going to go to technology as the first kind of point of care, the first line of defense. And we're going to give them a lot of services there and guide them you know, in their path to acquire additional care from there. So these are radically transformational understanding on how the healthcare experience of us as patients is going to be woven with technology. And to me, that is what hybrid really means. And I think that's also where the opportunity for all of us becomes very different with the arrival of these technologies. Yeah, I really appreciate the way you you laid that out. You know, it's not just a, a binary. Is it at home? Is it or or is it virtual? Is it in person? It's a like you said, a tra transformation of sort of the a reimagining of the care ecosystem, so to speak. Um, yeah. And I'm curious, you know, like seeing this revolution come about, you know, healthcare has this reputation of being sort of very slow to widely adopt new technologies, but. As you pointed out, the COVID-19 pandemic really intensified the need for innovation and hospitals and health systems, you know, to my knowledge, really responded there. Like, I think I talked to leaders who just said we we got new telehealth programs or virtual care programs up and running faster than we ever thought we could. So I think it definitely highlights the potential for, for big rapid transformation. But curious to hear your view broadly on where healthcare stands today on its sort of technology evolution where there's still challenges, where are some opportunities? You know, when you think about healthcare embrace of technology, everybody has the notion of, you know, it's glacial. I, but I think the reality, you know, it's not because we're bad people in healthcare. It's because healthcare and medical practice was designed around the safety that comes with certainty, opposite of experimental, right? Think about the clinical trials that it takes to get a, a drug into the market or, or the change of a guideline or a medical practice. This is done not because people are slow, but because we really want to make sure that we don't hurt patients. However, if you think about technology, technology is the polar opposite of this, you know, fail fast forward, or, you know, the only thing that sells and excites people are at the very cutting edge of what technology can do. So there is a cultural clash when you think about how technology is going to penetrate or enter into, into healthcare. And we've seen that, you know, in, in unbelievable color during COVID because the reality forced everybody in healthcare to kind of remove the traditional breaks and consternation and experiment with telehealth. And what happened was that everybody found it to be radically transformational. But that was because we didn't play by the rules of healthcare. We actually played by the rules of technology coming to the rescue. So I would say there is a, you know, the door opened up on showing what technology can do if you let it in healthcare. But COVID is not here. We don't have those kind of, you know, privilege of let's, you know, come to the rescue. We still need to find a legitimate, safe way for technology to be experimented inside healthcare in a way that doesn't require 
10 years of clinical trials before it can be utilized. I don't think we have found that yet, but I think everybody recognizes that it's absolutely necessary. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right about that. I think people really do recognize that, you know, change is needed here and technology is going to be a big part of solving a lot of uh, some of the industry's most vexing, persistent challenges. Uh, I'm thinking of care access here, what what the, this sort of care model can do for that. Um, I, I want to fast forward here and think about what care delivery could look like five to 10 years from now. How can leaders really prepare for for this future in the near term? You know, people have a lot of you know, immediate, urgent challenges they have to prioritize, but you also have to have long-term planning um, in terms of advancing technology-supported caregiving. What's at risk here, Roy, for not taking sort of a forward-thinking stance here? And, and what are things going to look like five to 10 years from now? I think the biggest risk is to think that this is forward-thinking. Forward-thinking sounds like a a privilege of the innovators or the, the, the people at the, at the front of the line, we need to come to terms with the fact that this is happening with us or without us. And the risk for healthcare organizations that are, you know, as, as you mentioned, it are not taking the forward thinking stance or are not actively embracing those things is the same risk that we saw with, you know, retail organization that didn't embrace online retail. And there's a lot of examples for what, what happened to them? I think that whoever, and maybe even you know, deeper than that, whoever in the industry says, well, you know what, I'm going to buy the technology later. I'm going to get into the technology later when it matures or whatever it is, are completely missing the point that it isn't about the technology. It's about the way the people, whether these are clinicians or patients or consumers or, or everybody that's involved in care delivery, it's about getting the people comfortable with the use of this technology. And that is biology. That's not physics. That's behavioral change, not, not a turning on of a switch of, of an application. That cultural change takes time. It requires people and organizations to learn the language of distribution of healthcare over technology. And if you don't give that enough time, you're very likely going to be left behind. So this is, I would argue, this is not forward thinking anymore. This is survival. And because, as we talked about, because COVID opened up the door to a much faster way of embracing technology, specifically telehealth and others, this revolution is here. It's not going to happen in the future. So people need to, you know, uh, get into this or otherwise, you know, they're going to be marginalized. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's a great point. I think the retail example is really sort of instructive here, Roy, just because I, I know it immediately conjured a few, like uh, a, a few stories in my head when, when you said that it, they didn't embrace sort of online retail and they got left behind. Um, and I think too, as patients, it probably makes sense to say that as patients have become more comfortable with this technology too, they're going to be, they're going to want it. They're going to want more of this kind of, kind of care. Do you think that's a fair, fair judgment? I think it's fair, and I think that, you know, it, it's not that you're going to buy the same healthcare transaction. They're going to be care models that will allow people to age at home if they embrace technology, and the organizations responsible for their care are going to flourish if they can support that. So this is a conversation that we can have uh, over a bottle of wine for hours, but if if you as a healthcare entity 
aren't thinking about how your business is going to look like using technology over the next couple of years and begin to learn the language, you'll be missing out not only on consumers and traffic, you'll be missing out on care models that you will long, no longer be you know, considered for. Right. Well, Roy, it's been wonderful having this conversation with you today. Is there anything else you, you think the audience should know? Any closing thoughts you have? Yeah, I'll just say that, you know, there's another big elephant in the room that we're not going to be able to dodge anymore, which is the moment technology becomes a way for care to be, you know, delivered. The notion of redistribution through technology means that, you know, geographical boundaries really mean very little. And we have got to consider, you know, we've got to have the conversation on how we plan for a world where those boundaries are gone. And it's not only medical licensure, it's also, you know, the, the way regional health plans operate, you know, Blue Cross Blue Shield of a state X are going to have to work differently than before. And we also have to think about how medical professionals are load balanced around the country you know, staff augmentation and, and variety of those, we really need to start talking about how the state limitations of care are going to be transitioned into something more modern and uh, supportive for us to pull together as a country. That is also something I've heard discussed uh, in my conversations with other um, health system leaders, uh, you know, really thinking about how that needs to change to be able to accommodate these new models of care. So I appreciate you flagging that for our listeners, Roy. I, I, I want to thank Roy once again for joining us. And I also want to thank our podcast sponsor, Amwell. Um, thank you all for, for tuning in to another episode of Becker's Healthcare Podcast. You can tune to more podcasts from Becker's Healthcare by visiting our podcast page at beckershospitalreview.com.